0: Section forty nine of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter twenty one Reproductive Effects of Tides and Currents estuaries how formed silting up of estuaries does not compensate the loss of land on the borders of the ocean bed of the german ocean composition and extent of its sandbanks, strata deposited by currents in the english channel on the shores of the mediterranean at the mouths of the amazon orinoco and mississippi wide area over which strata may be formed by this cause from the facts enumerated in the last chapter it appears that on the borders of the ocean currents and tides cooperating with the waves of the sea are most powerful instruments in the destruction and transportation of rocks and as numerous tributaries discharge their alluvial burden into the channel of one great river so we find that many rivers deliver their earthly contents to one marine current to be borne by it to a distance and deposited in some deep receptacle of the ocean the current besides receiving this tribute of sedimentary matter from streams draining the land acts also itself on the coast as does a river on the cliffs which bound a valley yet the waste of cliffs by marine currents constitutes on the whole a very insignificant portion of the denudation annually effected by aqueous causes as i shall point out in the sequel of this chapter in inland seas where the tides are insensible or on those parts of the borders of the ocean where they are feeble it is scarcely possible to prevent a harbour at a river's mouth from silting up for a bar of sand or mud is formed at points where the velocity of the turbid river is checked by the sea or where the river and a marine current neutralize each other's force for the current as we have seen may like the river hold in suspension a large quantity of sediment or cooperating with the waves may cause the progressive motion of a shingle beach in one direction i have already alluded to the erection of piers and groins at certain places on our southern coast to arrest the course of the shingle and sand the immediate effect of these temporary obstacles is to cause a great accumulation of pebbles on one side of the barrier after which the beach still moves on round the end of the pier at a greater distance from the land this system however is often attended with a serious evil for during storms the waves throw suddenly into the harbour the vast heap of pebbles which have collected for years behind the groin or pier as happened during a great gale january eighteen thirty nine at dover the formation and keeping open of large estuaries are due to the combined influence of tidal currents and rivers for when the tide rises a large body of water suddenly enters the mouth of the river where becoming confined within narrower bounds while its momentum is not destroyed it is urged on and having to pass through a contracted channel rises and runs with increased velocity just as a stream when it reaches the arch of a bridge scarcely large enough to give passage to its waters rushes with a steep fall through the arch during the ascent of the tide a body of fresh water flowing down in an opposite direction from the higher country is arrested in its course for several hours and thus a large lake of fresh and brackish water is accumulated which when the sea ebbs is let loose as on the removal of an artificial sluice or dam by the force of this retiring water the alluvial sediment both of the river and of the sea is swept away and transported to such a distance from the mouth of the estuary that a small part only can return with the next tide it sometimes happens that during a violent storm a large bar of sand is suddenly made to shift its position so as to prevent the free influx of the tides or efflux of river water thus about the year fifteen hundred the sands at bayonne were suddenly thrown across the mouth of the Adour. that river flowing back upon itself soon forced a passage to the northward along the sandy plain of capreton till at last it reached the sea at Bouca, at the distance of seven leagues from the point where it had formerly entered it was not till the year fifteen seventy nine that the celebrated architect louis defoe undertook at the desire of henry the third to reopen the ancient channel which he at last effected with great difficulty in the estuary of the thames at london and in the Gironde, the tide rises only for five hours and ebbs seven and in all estuaries The water requires a longer time to run down than up, so that the preponderating force is always in the direction which tends to keep open a deep and broad passage, but for reasons already explained there is naturally a tendency in all estuaries to silt up partially since eddies and backwaters and points where opposing streams meet are very numerous and constantly change their position many writers have declared that the gain on our eastern coast since the earliest periods of history has more than counterbalanced the loss but they have been at no pains to calculate the amount of loss and have often forgotten that while the new acquisitions are manifest there are rarely any natural monuments to attest the former existence of the lands that has been carried away they have also taken into their account those tracts artificially recovered which are often of great agricultural importance and may remain secure perhaps for thousands of years but which are only a few feet above the mean level of the sea and are therefore exposed to be overflowed again by a small proportion of the force required to move cliffs of considerable height on our shores if it were true that the area of land annually abandoned by the sea in estuaries were equal to that invaded by it there would still be no compensation in kind the tidal current which flows out from the northwest and bears against the eastern coast of england transports as we have seen materials of various kinds aided by the waves it undermines and sweeps away the granite gneiss nice, trap-rocks and sandstone of shetland and removes the gravel and loam of the cliffs of holderness norfolk and suffolk which are between twenty and three hundred feet in height, and which waste at various rates of from one foot to six yards annually. It also bears away, in cooperation with the Thames and the tides, the strata of London clay on the coast of Essex and Sheppey. The sea at the same time consumes the chalk with its flints for many miles continuously on the shores of kent and sussex commits annual ravages on the fresh-water beds capped by a thick covering of chalk flint gravel in hampshire and continually saps the foundations of the portland limestone it receives besides during the rainy months large supplies of pebbles sand and mud which numerous streams from the grampians cheviots and other chains send down to the sea to what regions then is all this matter consigned it is not retained in mechanical suspension by the waters of the ocean nor does it mix with them in a state of chemical solution it is deposited somewhere yet certainly not in the immediate neighbourhood of our shores for in that case there would soon be a cessation of the encroachment of the sea and large tracts of low land like romney marsh would almost everywhere encircle our island as there is now a depth of water exceeding thirty feet in some spots where towns like dunwich flourished but a few centuries ago it is clear that the current not only carries far away the materials of the wasted cliffs but is capable also of excavating the bed of the sea to a certain moderate depth so great is the quantity of matter held in suspension by the tidal current on our shores that the waters are in some places artificially introduced into certain lands below the level of the sea and by repeating this operation which is called warping for two or three years considerable tracts have been raised in the estuary of the humber to the height of about six feet if a current charged with such materials meets with deep depressions in the bed of the ocean it must often fill them up just as a river when it meets with a lake in its course fills it gradually with sediment i have said that the action of the waves and currents on sea-cliffs or their power to remove matter from above to below the sea-level is insignificant in comparison with the power of rivers to perform the same task as an illustration we may take the coast of holderness described in the last chapter it is composed as we have seen of very destructible materials is thirty-six miles long and its average height may be taken at forty feet as it has wasted away at the rate of two and a quarter yards annually for a long period it will be found on calculation that the quantity of matter thrown down into the sea every year and removed by the current amounts to fifty one million three hundred twenty one thousand six hundred cubic feet it has been shown that the united ganges and brahmaputra carry down to the bay of bengal forty billion of cubic feet of solid matter every year so that their transporting power is no less than seven hundred eighty times greater than that of the sea on the coast above-mentioned and in order to produce a result equal to that of the two indian rivers we must have a line of wasting coast like that of holderness nearly twenty eight thousand miles in length or longer than the entire circumference of the globe by above three thousand miles the reason of so great a difference in the results may be understood when we reflect that the operations of the ocean are limited to a single line of cliff surrounding a large area whereas great rivers with their tributaries and the mountain torrents which flow into them act simultaneously on a length of bank almost indefinite nevertheless we are by no means entitled to infer that the denuding force of the great ocean is a geological cause of small efficacy or inferior to that of rivers its chief influence is exerted at moderate depths below the surface on all those areas which are slowly rising or are attempting as it were to rise above the sea from data hitherto obtained respecting subterranean movements We can scarcely speculate on an average rate of upheaval of more than two or three feet in a century, An elevation to this amount is taking place in Scandinavia, and probably in many submarine areas as vast as those which we know to be sinking from the proofs derived from circular lagoon islands or coral atolls suppose strata as indestructible as those of the weldon or the lower and upper cretaceous formation or the tertiary deposits of the british isles to be thus slowly upheaved how readily might they all be swept away by waves and currents in an open sea how entirely might each stratum disappear as it was brought up successively and exposed to the breakers shoals of wide extent might be produced but it is difficult to conceive how any continent could ever be formed under such circumstances were it not indeed for the hardness and toughness of the crystalline and volcanic rocks which are often capable of resisting the action of the waves few lands might ever emerge from the myths of an open sea supposed filling up of the german ocean the german ocean is deepest on the norwegian side where the soundings give one hundred ninety fathoms but the mean depth of the whole basin may be stated at no more than thirty-one fathoms the bed of this sea is traversed by several enormous banks the greatest of which is the dogger bank extending for upwards of three hundred fifty-four miles from north to south the whole superficies of these shoals is equal to about one-third of the whole extent of england and scotland the average height of the bank's measures according to mr stevenson about seventy-eight feet the upper portion of them consisting of fine and coarse siliceous sand mixed with comminuted corals and shells it had been supposed that these vast submarine hills were made up bodily of loose materials supplied from the waste of the english dutch and other coasts but the survey of the north sea conducted by captain hewitt affords ground for suspecting this opinion to be erroneous if such immense mounds of sand and mud had been accumulated under the influence of currents the same causes ought nearly to have reduced to one level the entire bottom of the german ocean instead of which some long narrow ravines are found to intersect the banks one of these varies from seventeen to forty-four fathoms in depth and has very precipitous sides in one part called the inner silver pits it is fifty-five fathoms deep the shallowest parts of the dogger bank were found to be forty-two feet under water except in one place where the wreck of a ship had caused a shoal such uniformity in the minimum depth of water seems to imply that the currents which vary in their velocity from a mile to two miles and a half per hour have power to prevent the accumulation of drift matter in places of less depth strata deposited by currents it appears extraordinary that in some tracts of the sea adjoining the coast of england where we know that currents are not only sweeping along rocky masses thrown down from time to time from the high cliffs but also occasionally scooping out channels in the regular strata there should exist fragile shells and tender zoophytes in abundance which live uninjured by these violent movements the ocean however is in this respect a counterpart of the land and as on the continents rivers may undermine their banks uproot trees and roll along sand and gravel while their waters are inhabited by testacea and fish and their alluvial plains are adorned with rich vegetation and forests so the sea may be traversed by rapid currents and its bed may here and there suffer great local derangement without any interruption of the general order and tranquillity it has been ascertained by soundings in all parts of the world that where new deposits are taking place in the sea coarse sand and small pebbles commonly occur near the shore while further from land and in deeper water finer sand and broken shells are spread out over the bottom still farther out the finest mud and ooze are alone met with mr austin observes that this rule holds good in every part of the english channel examined by him he also informs us that where the tidal current runs rapidly in what are called races where surface undulations are perceived in the calmest weather over deep banks the discoloration of the water does not arise from the power of such a current to disturb the bottom at a depth of forty or eighty fathoms as some have supposed in these cases a column of water sometimes five hundred feet in height is moving onwards with the tide clear and transparent above while the lower portion holds fine sediment in suspension a fact ascertained by soundings when suddenly it impinges upon a bank and its height is reduced to three hundred feet it is thus made to boil up and flow off at the surface a process which forces up the lower strata of water charged with fine particles of mud which in their passage from the coast had gradually sunk to a depth of three hundred feet or more One important character in the formations produced by currents is the immense extent over which they may be the means of diffusing homogeneous mixtures, for these are often co-extensive with a great line of coast, and by comparison with their deposits, the deltas of rivers must shrink into significance. In the Mediterranean, the same current which is rapidly destroying many parts of the african coast between the straits of gibraltar and the nile checks also the growth of the delta of the nile and drifts the sediment of that great river to the eastward to this source may be attributed the rapid accretions of land on parts of the syrian shores where rivers do not enter among the greatest deposits now in progress and of which the distribution is chiefly determined by currents we may class those between the mouths of the amazon and the southern coast of north america captain sabine found that the equatorial current before mentioned was running with the rapidity of four miles an hour where it crosses the stream of the amazon which river preserves part of its original impulse and has its waters not wholly mingled with those of the ocean at the distance of three hundred miles from its mouth the sediment of the amazon is thus constantly carried to the northwest as far as to the mouths of the orinoco and an immense tract of swamp is formed along the coast of guiana with a long range of muddy shoals bordering the marshes and becoming converted into land the sediment of the orinoco is partly detained and settles near its mouth causing the shores of trinidad to extend rapidly and is partly swept away into the caribbean sea by the guiana current according to humboldt much sediment is carried again out of the caribbean sea into the gulf of mexico it should not be overlooked that marine currents even on coasts where there are no large rivers may still be the agents of spreading not only sand and pebbles but the finest mud far and wide over the bottom of the ocean for several thousand miles along the western coast of south america comprising the larger parts of peru and chile there is a perpetual rolling of shingle along the shore part of which as mr darwin has shown are incessantly reduced to the finest mud by the waves and swept into the depths of the pacific by the tides and currents the same author however has remarked that notwithstanding the great force of the waves on that shore all rocks sixty feet under water are covered by seaweed, showing that the bed of the sea is not denuded at that depth. The effects of the winds being comparatively superficial. In regard to the distribution of sediment by currents, it may be observed that the rate of subsidence of the finer mud carried down by every great river into the ocean or of that caused by the rolling of the waves upon a shore must be extremely slow for the more minute the separate particles of mud the slower will they sink to the bottom and the sooner will they acquire what is called their terminal velocity it is well known that a solid body descending through a resisting medium falls by the force of gravity which is constant, but its motion is resisted by the medium more and more, as its velocity increases until the resistance becomes sufficient to counteract the farther increase of velocity. For example, a leaden ball one inch diameter, falling through air of density as at the earth's surface, will never acquire greater velocity than 260 feet per second and in water its greatest velocity will be eight feet six inches per second if the diameter of the ball were one one hundredth of an inch the terminal velocities in air would be twenty six feet and in water point eight six of a foot per second now every chemist is familiar with the fact that minute particles descend with extreme slowness through water the extent of their surface being very great in proportion to their weight and the resistance of the fluid depending on the amount of surface a precipitate of sulphate of barite, for example will sometimes require more than five or six hours to subside one inch while oxalate and phosphate of lime require nearly an hour to subside about an inch and a half and two inches respectively so exceedingly small are the particles of which these substances consist when we recollect that the depth of the ocean is supposed frequently to exceed three miles and that currents run through different parts of that ocean at the rate of four miles an hour and when at the same time we consider that some fine mud carried away from the mouths of rivers and from sea-beaches where there is a heavy surf as well as the impalpable powder showered down by volcanoes may subside at the rate of only an inch per hour we shall be prepared to find examples of the transportation of sediment over areas of indefinite extent it is not uncommon for the emery powder used in polishing glass to take more than an hour to sink one foot suppose mud composed of coarser particles to fall at the rate of two feet per hour and these to be discharged into that part of the gulf stream which preserves a mean velocity of three miles an hour for a distance of two thousand miles in twenty-eight days these particles will be carried two thousand sixteen miles and will have fallen only to a depth of two hundred twenty-four fathoms in this example however it is assumed that the current retains its superficial velocity at the depth of two hundred twenty four fathoms for which we have as yet no data although we have seen that the motion of a current may continue at the depth of one hundred fathoms experiments should be made to ascertain the rate of currents at considerable distances from the surface and the time taken by the finest sediment to settle in sea-water of a given depth and then the geologist may determine the area over which homogeneous mixtures may be simultaneously distributed in certain seas chapter twenty one